Welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast, where our mission is to help you heal yourself so you can heal the world. Hi, my name is Noah Crane. Each week, we will bring you tips and tools and inspire you to live your most empowered and joyful life. I am also the founder of the 3G Effect Mindset, a daily practice to keep you heart-centered in everything you do by taking um, three very important actions and practicing three very important elements. Number one, every day, have a grateful heart and connect to your gratitude. When you're connected to your gratitude and a grateful heart, you're in a place of connecting to positive feelings and positive emotions, and therefore you're able to eliminate those feelings and emotions, the negative emotions that are not serving you and also able to remove more fears. So every day, ask yourself as you start your day, what am I grateful for? Because when you're in a place of gratitude, you will be in a place of flow, a place of abundance, a place of happiness and joy. And that's where we want you to be every single day. Number two, element number two, every day make sure that you are grounded in love and compassion. First, to be grounded, to be rooted in yourself, to be anchored, right? Unshakable and strong within yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what you stand for. Not let take anybody take away your, your peace, happiness, and love, right? And then to learn to have love and compassion for yourself because it all starts with you to be able to be in a place of releasing judgment, uh, a place of self-love, self-forgiveness, acceptance, right? When you come to that place, you're also able to give that and extend that love and forgiveness and compassion to other people as well because any work that you do within yourself you're able to extend it to others so one of the ways that i say to do that every day um, you know we all know the world is round and energy moves in a round circle so put out hearts every day hearts emojis send people love i truly believe whatever you put out in the world will come back to you tenfold so if you want more love and compassion guess what you gotta give out more love and compassion every single day and number three, know that you are guided by God. So whatever it is for you, for me, I call it God. For you, it may be universe, spirit, higher power, energy. Whatever it is for you, it doesn't matter. What matters is you have a connection to something outside of yourself, right? That you, that you feel have faith and trust in yourself and have faith and trust in your journey. I believe that God is inside you. He's a part of you because he created you. Um, God is beside you. God is all around you. So learn to open your heart and soul to God. Ask God for guidance on your journey. Thank God every day for all the miracles and all the, the you know, guidance and support on the journey. So thank God every day. God will send you messages and messengers in ways that you never could imagine to help guide you on the journey. You, your job is just to become a good listener and be able to open yourself up to new experiences and new things and to the guidance of God, knowing that a rejection might just be a new direction in your life. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's actually something to, um, to look as a gift. I see um, rejection as a gift. So the gift of rejection, you know, rejection, the guidance, it's all here to help you elevate and become the best version of yourself because you're here to grow and become the best version of you. I do this work every single day, intentionally, um, and that work has changed my life. And I have been able to create an incredible life, find my soulmate, and uh, create so many miracles every single day and be present to them, right? Because the presence is the present. Um, so keep doing your work, keep doing those things, and you'll see how your life will transform. Today, I want to talk to you about a really important subject, which is the talking about we always talk about healing because it's heal yourself heal the world but also healing doing the shadow work to help you heal going deep into those dark places that are not always comfortable to help you heal through the journey and my guest has done a lot of that and that's why i'm so excited she's here laura wall is a spiritual life coach speaker podcast host and best-selling author as well she's a reiki practitioner and the founder of Heart Healing Center, a nonprofit organization devoted to bring more love, light, and healing to the world. Laura, welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast.
Thank you, Noah. I feel like there should be some fanfare when you say that. Like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> right? <laughs> so excited to have you here with us today. Um, so, Laura, I wanted, to, you know, we want to talk today about doing the, the deeper work. How did you get interested in shadow work and doing that deep emotional work? Oh, I love that word interested because um, I was not necessarily looking for it. And I think for many of us, we're not necessarily saying, hmm, shadow work sounds gritty and dirty and hard and there's a lot of crying. Yes, sign me up. Um, but instead, I feel like shadow work came and found me. And what I believe about healing is um, whatever is coming to you or whatever is coming through you, there is a divine timing in it. You are able to handle what that is at that time. So for me, it actually started a little bit before 2023. Um, one of my dear friends puts on uh, yoga retreats, and she always has a topic. And it always seems that as soon as she names the topic, my subconscious brain goes, we got to prep for this, we got to get ready. And so earlier in 2022, she said, we're going to have a women's retreat, and we're going to do shadow work. And I was like, hmm, cool. I'm not sure what that is, but we'll see. So that began a, uh, a beautiful and challenging journey through um, a lot of emotions, a lot of personal growth, and a lot of healing. So for me, it just started showing up in um, triggers. And I think uh, the word trigger has been thrown around a lot. There is neuroscience behind it. And basically what it means is your brain sees things in the environment. It kind of digests them in and it goes and it checks with memories. And it's like, ooh, we've been here before and it was painful. And then you might have an, a wildly emotional experience that you're not really even in control of because you are in a different part of your brain. You are in your pre-verbal brain usually. And so we can be really overwhelmed by something that seems minor to everyone else. Um, so that's what happened to me. I was uh, at a party with some friends and I was having what I thought was a good time. And then all of a sudden I was not having a good time. I was having a really bad time and I actually became um, almost mute. I could not speak. I couldn't express what was going on. I had a lot of energy moving through my body. I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of anxiousness. I had a lot of um, images coming to my mind. Um, but I really couldn't express myself. And all I could do was go to someone that I felt was safe and to try to get some help and to get away from kind of the, the scene of the trigger. And again, I say that with love because the people that were around me were loving friends. They weren't like poking at me or trying to trigger me or trying to upset me. It was just something that happened to me that brought awareness to a huge area that I needed to start working on looking at. Um, and again, shadow work is where we shine a light into some parts of ourselves that we're just unaware. They're not bad. They're not dark. They're not evil. It's just lack of awareness that we, we don't realize that they're there, but it's, it's in us at a deep sub subconscious level. That makes a lot of sense. So can you give us a little bit of like, like people that don't really know what shadow work is, how would you like sure. explain it to them? Sure. So I would say that let's, um, Let's take, for example, um, one of my one of the things that I got triggered on was around um, the need to feel special. Mm -hmm. And so, again, was that written somewhere on a piece of paper? You know, am I wearing a shirt that says I want to feel special? No, it was deep, deep, dark inside of me. And as I began to do some work around it, I came to realize that from my family of origin, there was times where I felt unseen and unacknowledged by my family. And as a result, I internalized the message that I wasn't special. Mm -hmm. And so shadow work, again, it is things that are programmed at a subconscious level. These are things about ourselves that we're not aware of. And sometimes they're the truth, but most of the time I would say they are a version of the truth. They're usually somewhat distorted because depending on our emotional age at the time we have, at the time that we make a memory around something, a lot of times we are not accurately recording it. 
So, you know, if you have a car accident and there's three witnesses, you're going to hear one that says, oh, yeah, they ran the red light. You're going to hear another one that says, no way, they paused. They stopped at the red light. Um, no. And then someone else is going to say it was a yellow light. So our subconscious, when it is forming a memory, it gathers the information that keeps us safe. And so that could be the most inflammatory emotional part of the, the memory. And it holds on to that and it may forget some other details that are actually the truth. So I define shadow work is looking at your own belief systems that may be holding you back or um, stories that you're telling about yourself that are limiting you and may not be the truth. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, so let me ask you a question. When you, um, when you started, you, how did you, did it all of a sudden come up that you needed to do shadow work? I mean, you were living your life, you were doing what you're doing. I, I know that it's stored in your subconscious. So do you just, all of a sudden something hits you? Is it like some kind of like something that triggers an old memory that all of a sudden gets you triggered where you realize like, oh my God, there's something going on here that I need to look deeper into it? I think, like I said, most people don't actively pursue shadow work. It is now becoming more of a topic of conversation. There are people within the spiritual field that are helping facilitate this. Um, human consciousness is evolving. So, of course, as we are getting um, more healed and brighter and lighter beings, we are going to get rid of some of the old stuff. So for me, part of it was someone was talking about shadow work. I read a little bit about it. And then when I got triggered, I was like, these emotions in my body feel awful. How do I not have this happen again? Um, you know, just like putting your hand on a hot stove, you know, you, you, you know that something's gone really wrong and then you're trying to figure out how to prevent it. So that, that diving into the shadow work is looking at how can I rewrite the script or reprogram or understand myself better. And that's really part of the journey for me as I was doing it. Um, I wanted to understand where they came from. I wanted to understand how they were written because it's a script that I've been playing in my head quite a bit. And then I understand that I am the conscious creator of my reality. So I knew that I could rewrite the script. I just wasn't quite sure of how to do that. So how were you able, to, once you realized that you have these unhealed emotions, what was the next step? The next step was a lot of crying. <laughs> a lot of, I call it hermiting or um, introverting where you uh, stay indoors and you don't interact with other humans other than maybe your pets and your trusted humans in your inner circle. Um, there was a lot of phone calls with my close friends um, to help me kind of sort through. Again, I, I kind of think of it like a car accident. I needed their perspective of what happened and just people listening to me, listening to me as I was trying to process all that went through. Um, I also spent a lot of time journaling um, and one of your G's, I turned to my greater power, my divine creator, um, God, and I prayed a lot and meditated a lot because there was something that was beyond me that I couldn't understand and I needed more guidance. I needed more information to drop in and, and again, shine a light in those dark areas of myself that I didn't understand so I could look at them without them hurting me and I could accept them and I could grow from them and then take the next step, which is kind of rewriting how I think about myself or changing my self-concept so that I love and accept those parts and recognize that they're normal, they're normal human needs, uh, the triggers that I had. Did something happen, like a certain event that happened that besides the fact that your friend was doing the, you know, the shadow work yoga, was there anything that happened that really triggered that for you? Yes, I was, I was at a party with some friends and the activities that were going on at that time really kind of became a pressure cooker. And then all of a sudden, and again, no one was hurting me, harming me, talking down to me. There was nothing negative happening. It was just like, all of a sudden I was hit by like a tidal wave of all kinds of emotions and crazy, crazy thoughts. And all I really wanted to do was run out of the building. I wanted to run away 
from the pain, but I know from other times that I've worked through some different healing that what I needed to do was look for help from someone else that I trusted and to be with what was coming up. I could tell that there was something about it that was for me to learn from, even though it was excruciating. Well, okay. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So somebody listening and they're like, what could happen at a party that would make her feel this way? Right. Um, mm -hmm. So was there like a specific, like, did you feel pressured by something? Was it, what was the specific kind of trigger that oh, you it felt? Was, well, it was, it was my birthday uh -huh. and um, someone that I love and care about greatly was getting all the attention and I wasn't. It's that simple. Wow. Is that amazing? <laughs> I know. And again, I, when I say that out loud, I kind of feel like I'm eight years old. Like I want it to be my party. I want everybody to sure. like me and bring me presents. And I realized, you know, through my own healing process that my inner child, my little eight-year-old didn't get the birthday party she uh -huh. wanted. And as a result, as an adult, I walked into that party with uh, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations that were stored at a deep level. And when they came to the, when, when they didn't get met, um, again, my, my body and mind complex through the most giant fit I could possibly have to get my attention. So I didn't have to keep going through that pattern. That's not a great pattern. I love that you said that. Okay. Because that really clears up things for people. Um, because I was like, what could happen? Like I was going like, what could happen at the party? But yeah. that's, that's a great explanation. So what I hear from it is that your inner child was kind of running the show. So you had to do also not just the shadow work, but also the inner child work, right? Would you say that as well? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they are tied very closely together. Um, some of our, uh, some of the triggers or traumas can be related to childhood. Um, and again, Trauma and triggers can be related to any time of your life. But for me, um, almost I had five of them. <laughs> so uh, apparently when I decide to do, when my higher self decides to help me do shadow work, we're going to load up. We're going to do all the subjects. We're going to go to junior high and take, you know, five or six things all at once to, uh, to learn our lessons. I think that's so great because, you know, processing those things and realizing it's it's like looking at yourself and realizing, like, I don't like the way I behaved. Like, I don't like, you know, what's going on right here. I want to do better. I want to be better. You know, I want to be a better version of myself, a better person. Why am I being triggered by these things that really I shouldn't be triggered? I'm an adult. Why am I triggered by these? You know, and it's amazing how, you know, our, our past can influence our, our present right now, you know? Yeah. And again, we appear to be grown adults, right? Operating in the world, yeah. but we have former versions of ourselves, sometimes with unfinished business. You know, sometimes my, my bratty rebellious teenager comes out when my husband and I get into a, a discussion. Sometimes my inner child throws a fit. So there are parts of ourselves that do come out. And sometimes, like you said, we don't like it and we want to um, change that behavior. And so digging a little deeper to see where did that come from? How did I, how did that get started? Because all of our, our behavior, all of our outward behavior is related to what we've learned in our past. Um, the habits that we've created around that, our behavior habits, our thought patterns, our emotions. And so it's, it's a little tricky, but it can be undone. It can be rewritten and we can, like you said, become, a better version of ourselves. Um, it does take a lot of self-compassion and and love. And sometimes that's that can be the lesson in and of itself. Because when I look at who I was on that day, I'm like, oh, what a hot mess express. I wonder what the rest of the people at the party thought. Like, oh my gosh, that girl's crazy. And again, in the moment, I wasn't in my state of mind. I wasn't in the present. I was in the past. And I I probably did appear to be really overwrought and not myself. That's all true. That's not a judgment. That's the truth. And I can say that now with love and compassion because I was so overwhelmed by what was going on in my mind that those behaviors came forward, the crying, the, you know, kind of throwing a fit um, behaviors. And again, that's not who I want to be every day. But I recognize now that had to come forward so I could heal it. 
um, again, and those of us that do healing work, uh, it's it's not our my favorite saying, but it feels really true. You do have to feel it to heal it. Definitely. And, you know, it seems like you have to raise your consciousness, too, because if you're not conscious about it, you know, you could have just been like, OK, with it and not conscious about it and being like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine and I'm right. Right. And it's about letting the ego go, too, and being like, you know, being vulnerable and being open to even share that. Right. Because yeah. you sharing that will help so many people be able to process their own things because, you know, we all have that part of us that can be immature at times or that part of us that needs healing, that needs growing. And it's it's not, and the healing's never done, right? Laura, would you agree with me? It's always, there's always another level and a deeper place to go to be able <laughs> to elevate ourselves to the next level. So it's that constant healing and, and growing through things to be able to do better and be better, you know? I would say um, that's one of the tricky bits about the healing work is once you recognize that there's many layers and many levels, and, and again, you're active participant and you choose to, you can go deeper. You can find more things. Um, there are some people that choose not to grow and choose not to heal, and that's okay as well. Um, but yes, there's there's always things that we can learn and change about ourselves. And that's what I think so amazing about being a human <laughs> is no matter who you are today in five years, you could be completely different. I could be a marathon runner in five years. You know, I could be going back to college and getting a PhD in five years. Um, we have the capacity to change. It's exciting. It's exciting and exhilarating because, you know, we have like you said, that, that ability and that capacity, and we just have to have the will there to want to do it. So once you're able to process through those emotions, you're noticing that the, the, the inner child was running this show, maybe the eight-year-old you, it wasn't you, right? Um, once you're able to process that, what other things did you notice that you were working through? Mm, yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I do want to touch on something about the consciousness level. If if you went back even like two years and this came up, I think a former version of myself probably would have ignored all of this and rejected it and blamed everyone around me. And I think because of other things I've done, I finally was at the place where I could be honest with myself and also the community that um, I have around me was so loving and kind to hold enough space to let me look at it without the fear of shame. Um, so that made a huge difference. Um, what I did on my own, other than a lot of informal talk therapy with friends, um, I have a lot of coach friends. <laughs> um, I, I trusted the way I was guided. So one of the things that a friend sent me was an inventory, um, a, a survey that is by Tony Robbins organization. I'm, I've studied Tony Robbins since the 80s. So I know he's got good stuff that's timeless. And this was a very simple survey about basic human needs, because what I recognized as I was kind of coming through that is I had some needs that weren't getting met, and it looked like they weren't getting met at that party, but that wasn't really the truth. They weren't getting met back when I was younger or throughout my life. So when I did this inventory um, of myself, assessment of myself, and looked at all those human needs, and it it does tell you like, what is your primary human need? But I looked at all of them and I recognized that there were five of them that were not getting met in my adult life. And that was pretty powerful for me. Um, that was pretty gut-wrenching too. Um, and there was the deconstruction of the shame around it. So again, I'll, I'll go back to the one of feeling special. Um, we all have a need to feel special and unique and that is something that, you know, some people can, um, we might have been taught from our family or from religion that we're not supposed to shine our own light. We're not supposed to brag. And so we're resisting being who we are. And as a result, we don't be authentic. And then we don't get acknowledged for being authentic or being real or being special. And so it kind of gets pushed down. So once I was able to look at those human needs and acknowledge these are real, all humans have them not just Laura Wall throwing a fit, all humans have these and it's okay. This is how we're made. This is how we're designed. It's okay to have them. And the reason you have 
needs. I truly believe that any desire or need that is put on your heart, that is something that God has placed there. So when I looked at those very honestly, I recognized I had needs that were not getting met in my adult life and it stemmed from my childhood. Then I was able to say, okay, uh, something's missing. How do I find a way to meet that need that is healthy and wholesome and doesn't only serve me, but serves others? And again, that's that's my personal philosophy is what's going to be fulfilling is not just getting my own need met. It feels a lot better when that need can serve others. And again, I'll go back to the one that's special. So for me, when I realized ah, I need to feel special, I need to feel seen, um, I asked myself, what were you missing in childhood? Well, I was missing interaction with my parents and for them to verbally acknowledge me or listen to me or ask me what's going on, um, to be more involved in my life, to see me, to acknowledge my unique qualities or my abilities. And so I asked myself, how can I get that as an adult? And I realized I can do that for myself. I can acknowledge myself when I'm doing a great job. Um, I can also ask for feedback from friends and acquaintances. So if I teach a workshop or if I teach a retreat or if I go on a podcast, coincidentally, I can go to my friends and say, what did you enjoy? You know, please give me some feedback, positive or, you know, things that I can adjust. That helps remind me I am special. I am unique. I am an individual because I'm hearing it from people who love me and want me to improve, but they're also acknowledging the qualities in me that make me Laura Wall, a unique individual. I love that. Um, so um, it seems like a lot of it you were missing was a lot of emotional connection, right? An emotional acknowledgement. Would you yes, say? yes, yes. And I'm not here to uh, cast any uh, roles of villains for my family or for anyone else. Um, we all have a I, I truly believe that we have chosen all of the people in our life on some soul level to be teachers for us. And so when we are, again, if there's some deficiency in some area, that's really just highlighting something that you get to choose how to resolve. And so um, my my parents were very involved with their uh, my sister who had a lot of um, needs medically. And as a result, they did the very best job they could. Um, I got dance lessons. My dad tutored me in, in high school. Like, it's not like I was stuck in a room and completely ignored. There were just some things at an emotional level that I didn't get. And maybe they didn't have the capacity to give to me at that time. Because again, they're human. And we all mess up. There's times I've been a horrible friend. There's times I've been a very not good wife because I wasn't available to give my emotional self to those people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I, had, I had a similar thing with my daughter. My daughter is 17 now, and I've always thought that I provided her everything, gave her a lot of love, which I always gave my kids. I was a pleaser mom, always giving, giving, giving. But what she needed more was more of me emotionally, more of me being present to her, more of me getting in her world deeper. And she actually expressed that to me. And I had to um, work more on myself to be able to show up more, you know, you know, and I think feel like my daughter's like my biggest teacher. Um, mm -hmm. She she calls me out on everything. <laughs> so, I mean, I basically, um, you know, she calls me out on, on everything, you know, um, she, you know, she has told me before that I need to act more mature as a parent or I need to, you know, um, you know, the, you know, she she will call me out on anything, you know. Uh, so and she and it's hard sometimes to hear, right? That you're not that you you your child sees you as like you know you're not being this perfect parent. But I don't think there is a perfect parent, right? I just think we all do the best we can. I should have read more parenting books. I'll admit to that. <laughs> I should have read more parenting books. I really believe that you know we all should read tons of parenting book. If I had to do it all over again, I would have a parenting coach, <laughs> you know, to parent me 24/7. But um, I do think that we all do the best we can. And, you know, your parents did give you love. I gave my daughter a lot of love, but I didn't feel every single aspect that she needed. And so it, 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 parenting is the hardest job in the world. And I think when we know better, we do better, but we do the best we can, you know, with what we know. 
and part of this work for me was reparenting myself mm-hmm. because what I'm hearing in your story about your daughter is at a certain point, she recognized she had a need that wasn't being met by you. And she felt safe enough by the love and unconditional support you'd provided her to be able to speak up and ask for her needs. So part of my early childhood, you know, environment, the people that I was around, it didn't always feel safe to me. I'm looking back, it didn't always feel safe to me to ask for what I needed. I didn't want to be in an imposition. I didn't want to bother people. I was afraid people would say no. I was afraid that I was asking for too much. And so in doing this healing work for myself, part of what I've recognized is I need to use my voice and ask more for what I need from others, as well as, you know, speaking to myself, you know, as kindly and as compassionately as I can and recognizing I have needs. I'm allowed to have needs. They may not all get met. They may not get met in this relationship. They may not get met in this friendship. How do I go about meeting them in other ways? Can I meet them? Can others meet them? Um, there's As soon as you start asking questions, or at least when I do in meditation, I find that that's when the universe starts to pour out its abundant resources. It's like, oh, you need more friends? Here's a meetup. <laughs> you need a new teacher? Here's an opportunity for uh, a book or you know a, a course. Uh, so I, I definitely agree that speaking up and asking for what you need, I, I think sometimes that can even be better than a book because um, when you have that active communication between two people and getting that feedback, that really sticks with me when I have someone ask me for a change around how we interact as opposed to, you know, sometimes when you read a book, it's just knowledge. It gets stuck in there. But if you live it out or have to, you know, practice it, go through it with someone else, um, when we live it, it becomes more real to us. Yes, definitely. I wanted to ask you about boundaries, because I know you also speak about (laughs) boundaries. And how important was uh, setting boundaries with your healing practice and and healing yourself? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, when you, let's say, I'm going to use the analogy of your home Um, I think of our souls are in this home as a body. And so, and a lot of people have an apartment or a house or somewhere they live. So when your home gets um, invaded in some way, and that could be a burglary, that could be someone coming over unannounced, that could be someone coming to dinner and being obnoxious and you wish they hadn't come. um, It's pretty annoying, (laughs) you know, getting burglarized is extremely annoying. Like you feel violated. And so I think of boundaries for myself is similar to that. Like I wouldn't just leave all my doors and windows open. I wouldn't just leave my property unlocked and say, let's see what happens. Um, Because if I do that, then I'm sure I'm going to have some unwanted visitors. (laughs) Now we've got to do that I've learned the hard way. I've got to do that for myself as well. So once um, once you get hurt uh, in the emotional world, much like you get your boundary violated in the physical world, you probably get a little vigilant. You know, if someone broke into my house, I'd be like, okay, we need to call the security company. We need an electric gate. We need a moat. We need some alligators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and same thing. When we get emotionally hurt, we get triggered, angry, whatever it may be. We have a big emotional experience. It's normal and natural to pull back, to tend to ourselves. And sometimes we can get into judgment about that. Um, healing is nonlinear. I can't tell you how long it's going to take to grieve something. I can't tell you how long it's going to take to get over something. Everyone's different. I've gone through things fast sometimes, and I've had other things that take a year or two. So did the the boundaries help you heal? Absolutely. Once I recognized that I needed to use my voice and, and acknowledge what I needed or let people know when something wasn't comfortable to me, then that helped me honor myself and again, recognize those needs. Um, So uh, I'll give you a, for instance, Um, again, I love my husband. I've, we've, we have an amazing love story. We've been together over a quarter of a century. He is a hopeless romantic and I'm so grateful that he's crazy in love with me. 
Um, my husband doesn't always use a lot of words. Obviously, someone else in the household does, this girl. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, I will get dressed up to go out to dinner and I'll come in the living room and I'll be like, hi. And he's like, you ready to go? Not the response I wanted. So little eight-year-old Lara who wants to feel special and be noticed, that didn't work for her. And so instead, yeah, and beautiful. Yeah, of course we want to feel beautiful or attractive or, you know, we want to feel appealing to our mate at whatever level. Yes. So instead of me getting mad or pouty, going inward now that I know what my need is I can say to him I think the words you're looking for are you look amazing honey I'm ready to go on the town I'd love to hear what you think of my outfit so I'll prompt him I'll be playful so I'm not judging him I'm not mad at him but in a playful interactive way I'm asking him to meet my need which is I want to feel pretty to him I want to feel attractive to him And so as a result, then I can get that need met. So to me, asserting your preferences is part of assessing those boundaries. You know, yeah, I love that. That's a great story. And my daughter, um, you know, I, I feel like, well, maybe I would see myself as somebody a little complicated. And the reason I would say that, and my daughter is definitely complicated. So, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The reason I say complicated is because, like, I know what I want. I know what I want and I'm gonna get what I want. You know, I stand up for myself. And I think that's a really good trait, even though maybe it makes you like a little complicated to some people or a little more, but you stand up for yourself. You know, in life, I think it's very important to stand up for what you want and not settle. Because, you know, the only time you settle is when you don't speak up and you don't express those needs that you that you need and then somebody can't meet them or or help you or do better for you you know so I have my standards and I am not afraid to to say what my standards are now you know it is important to always come from love you know and appreciation and not from a place of like I demand it you know but I really believe like in this world you have to stand for what you believe and what you want in order to get it do you think that's true yeah I agree I would like to offer you a possible word adjustment. I'm very, I'm a word nerd. And I think all the words, they hold vibrations and they mean different things to different people. So um, I am particular, which means I have certain likes, wants, needs that are unique to me. And like you said, I'm going to ask for them. I'm going to stand up for them. I'm going to hold boundaries around them. Um, I don't think you're complicated at all, Noah. No. I think you are. I think you're very self-aware. I think you know what you want. And that's a great person to work with in a relationship and in, in, in life. Because if you are, you know, hanging out with someone and you're like, hey, you want, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know. Uh, how about McDonald's? Nah. Wendy's? Nah. That's hard. It takes a lot of effort. You know, but if someone's like, I don't like fast food, all of a sudden, you know where to meet them you know, okay, let's throw out all those restaurants. Let's look at these. Um, when someone is Thank you for doing that. Thank you for throwing those <laughs> restaurants out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when, you're, when you're particular, to me, that tells me that you are aware of your preferences and you know how to hold your boundaries. So I think that's a good thing to be. Yeah, I like that word particular. It's better than complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely particular. I definitely like, okay, when I was giving birth, I would tell the doctors, like their doctor knew, okay? This is my third child, my daughter. She knew already on the way to the hospital, I told her, no C-section. Don't even think about a C-section with me. Like, it's never going to work, you know? And, Mm -hmm. like, my daughter had the cord around the neck, and so she was really worried. So she's driving to the hospital. She's talking to her friend. She's like, this girl, she said no C-section, and I don't know what to do because, you know, and... I already knew, I already created with my words how it was going to go. I already knew, no C-section, no matter what. It's my third child. I'm not having any more kids. There's no way they're cutting me open. There's no way I want to heal from that. I want natural, you know, vaginal delivery, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and then and then she came in, and, and like it was just like out of the space. And I, I know I created that just by saying, that's not even an option. Like, it's not an option, you know? And I think sometimes when we don't stand up for ourselves, like the doctor will do the C-section because it's easy, you know what I mean, for them to cut open. Maybe they get paid more money for it. I don't know what it is, all right? But we have to almost like, um, how do you say, like 
um, say, you know, say what's good for us. You know, we have to stand up advocate. for ourselves. Advocate. That's the word I was looking for, Laura. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I lost the word. Um, we need to advocate for ourselves because if we're not advocating for ourselves, who's going to advocate for us? Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of our growth and of our healing is to learn how to advocate for ourselves. And again, depending on your history, like I said, it wasn't like I was locked in my room or I didn't have any places for self-expression. I just had a sense that there were certain things I wasn't allowed to talk about or say. And now as an adult, I recognize I can choose who I'm around. I can choose my environment. I can advocate for myself. I can say five minutes into a yoga class, this isn't for me. You know, maybe the culture of yoga is you don't leave a class or it needs to be quiet or you need to be reverent. I can leave quietly. I can leave reverently, but I also can advocate for myself and say, this is not the right thing for me. And I, I think there's a lot of fear sometimes around setting those boundaries that you're going to lose friendships or you're going to be thought of a certain way. Um, I have the benefit of uh, having uh, my one of my friends gave me this wonderful term when I was 40. She said, oh, you're going to love it when you turn 40. She said, you're give a shit or breaks. And I, mine broke at 40 and then it got lost at 50 and I'm not ever buying parts for it again. So I have the benefit of not having so much concern about how people view me, but rather am I upholding, like you said, my standards, my goals, my ideals, my beliefs? Am I in alignment? Am I in integrity with me in the way that I'm behaving? And so, yeah, holding those boundaries really, to me, is an act of self-love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like self-love is always the answer. We have to love ourselves enough to even do that deep work and to go within ourselves because, you know, we want to feel better in our lives. We want to feel better in our body. We want to, you know, be able to affect people in a more positive way. Like you said in the beginning, you wanted to do heal yourself in a way that also affects other people in a positive way. Absolutely. Now, I did intentionally sign up for the shadow work workshop that was facilitated by two of my very best friends. They did an incredible job that weekend for our retreat. Um, they showed me some tools and techniques that, again, on the surface seem kind of wild or crazy, but when you do it and it works, it makes you a believer because you live it. Um, and again, there was a lot of uh, ugly crying. <laughs> there was no makeup. <laughs> there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of exhaustion. But part of what you do when you heal is you are literally changing your cells and um, emotion gets stored at a cellular level through our whole body. So when we heal ourselves of old stuck emotions that are not positive, that are not doing us good, we're literally releasing that out of our body. And it can be exhausting. And it can be so liberating. Like, um, I think I was telling you the other day when we talked before this that uh, when I look back to the person I was last year and now um, clothes fit the same, probably the number on the scale, I don't use a scale, is the same. But I feel about 20 pounds lighter because I'm not carrying around all of that old quote unquote baggage or those old ideals about myself. And instead, I'm holding myself tenderly and lovingly and knowing I'm a human being with these needs, I'm allowed to have them. And I'm a grown up, I can figure out ways to get them met that are healthy. And again, they're for my highest good, and they're for others highest good. I love that. Uh, and being able to let that shame and guilt go. I think that's what kind of makes you feel lighter. Would you say that's something that's really helped you is to get rid of the shame and guilt from the past? Oh my gosh, shame, you know, they say fat is denser or fat is uh, not as dense as, as muscle. Um, and, you know, you're, you're all puffed up with it. I have to say that shame makes you super puffy and super heavy. Um, I was thinking the other day when I was talking with a friend who was in the healing space also, and I thought, what would the world look like if we as human beings did not create any shame internally for ourselves? And we did not ever get shamed externally. Like how free and amazing we would be. And the possibilities, the things that we could create if we weren't about how failure was perceived or if we were looking weird or if someone else didn't like what we were doing. Um, yeah, the, the, the hidden beautiful benefit of healing when you get to the other side is the release of those trapped emotions, including shame, um, guilt, and I think for a lot of women, I'm not going to speak for all women in the world, but 
um, from my clients and from others that I know have done shadow work, there's a lot of trapped anger around what went down. Um, when I did some additional shadow work at this retreat, um, my memories took me through my teen years and my 20 something years. And there was a lot of boundaries that got crossed with boyfriends, with employers, and I never stood up for myself. I didn't really know how to. And I was so angry at them because I perceived them as a bully, but I also was angry at myself. Like how, like you should have known better. How could I have known better? I wasn't quite an adult that I am now. Like I hadn't had all the learning that I have now. Um, no one trained me how to advocate for myself. You know, I didn't learn that in my schooling. I didn't learn that from people around me. I, I just went with the flow. I was a people pleaser. So I thought that was the way you worked in the world. And when that anger came up and came through me, man, I felt like I was on fire. I mean, I was sweating, um, crying. It was very cathartic. And again, when you release trapped emotions, then when they move out of your body, it's amazing how light and how free you feel. Yes. And you're more in a place of flow, right? More of a place, not only you're not, you know, you're just, you, you moving forward in your life. You no longer feel mm -hmm. like you're stuck or you're hitting a wall, right? You feel like yeah. you're in a state of, of movement and flow and energy. Um, so I think that's such a good place to be because anytime we're stagnant or there's stagnant energy, it doesn't feel good. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've got, um, I'm a picture taker. I take lots of pictures of everything. Um, I don't always post everything. It's for me to document my process. And so I have some pictures of me before I went into this retreat. And I have some pictures of me um, during this process. I took one of me laying on my side with the ugly cry face and the snotty nose. Like I wanted to document what I was doing for myself to remind myself, you did a really hard thing. This was awful. This, this was gritty and you did it, you got through it. And then I have pictures of me the next day with my friends and I can see there's more lightness in my countenance. I can see there's more lightness in my body and the way I hold myself. And so I can see there was transformation. Um, and again, some of the stuff we did probably seemed like if someone came there and looked around, like I stopped at one point. Um, so my best friend Lita was facilitating the workshop and she taught us several tools. And one of them was pillow slams. So just like a kid throwing a fit. Hello, does this sound familiar? You're grabbing a pillow and you are slamming it down on the ground. And you are thinking about the things that made you angry and you are getting it all out. You're allowed to be angry in that moment. So I was just wailing away at the floor and then I was exhausted from it. And so I laid down on my side and just looked around the room at all these amazing women who were doing the same with me. Healing in a group is such an incredible thing. And I thought how brave they are to reveal themselves. Some people were sitting and sobbing silently with their hand on their chest, just rocking some people were actively like kicking and throwing punches. There were some people that were just screaming, wailing. There was just, and again, part of me not laughing at them per se, but looking at this, the scene and thinking, this is crazy. This is so wild. This looks hilarious. Like this looks like a crazy skit on Saturday Night Live. And even after I went through all of that anger and processing shame, anger, whatever, all the, all the yucky emotions, I laid there and I started giggling. <laughs> and again, I wasn't laughing at my friends because I really honor and appreciate their vulnerability and showing their true selves in that moment. But I was giggling at how funny a scene it was that this is what we all needed to finally release that and feel more whole. Yeah, that's that's really powerful stuff to be able to, to and, and it seems like what we talked about before is that there is so much internal anger that we hold, you know, and that anger can either, you know, once we are able to get it out, it can really help us heal instead of, you know, keep us, you know, in a place of, uh, of stuck. So I want to ask you about um, moving on to um, your healer. And you do Reiki. Can you talk a little bit about Reiki and how Reiki or other modalities of healing people can use to heal themselves? Sure, I sure can. Um, I feel really honored that I am part of a hundred-year-old plus uh, tradition of Reiki. Um, Reiki was discovered 
by uh, a man in Japan who um, asked his guru, his master, meditation master, he wanted to get to enlightenment. And he went to the top of this mountain and he was so committed to it that he thought that he had to die to get enlightenment. And he was down for that. Um, he was there overnight, which was a uh, spring uh, equinox. It was on the 21st of March, about 101 years ago. And when he woke up, he fell down the hill and he realized that he wasn't enlightened. He was still alive. He was kind of ticked off, um, but he ended up um, putting his hands on what was hurting, which was his leg. And he felt this marvelous flow of energy and he was able to stand up and walk on his leg. Um, so from that, uh, I find it kind of interesting that someone that was willing to die um, came up with this beautiful modality that was gifted to him. Um, Reiki means life force, God force energy. Um, and it's a it's a energy that is in and around all things, kind of like what you talked about at the beginning. And through a series of ceremonies and rituals, um, the practitioners are able to call in this energy and act as a conduit. So I'm not doing the healing. Yay, that's good news for you. Um, instead, I am tapping into God force energy and I'm asking it to come to me and through me and I am a channel for it. So the person is able to, very much like a massage, lay on a massage table on their back and have um, the healer places their hands in different, different places on the body. And there is a flow of energy from one human being to another with the original source being from above. So I have a lot of uh, clients that say that when they're done, they feel lighter or they feel more at peace or they feel like their mind is finally not racing. Um, Reiki works on a mind, body, spirit level. So you can ask Reiki, you can ask, uh, set an intention when you start your session for it to support you and whatever's going on for you. If your knee hurts, if your heart broken, if your mind is racing, it can address all of those things. And for each person, the experience is different. Everyone's has different sensitivities to energy. So sometimes I have clients that say, oh my gosh, when you put your hands on me, I felt like I was plugged into a wall. I just felt this rush of electricity through my body. And I'm like, well, my last name is Wall. So my hands were on you. So you were kind of plugged into me, but I was plugged into something bigger. Um, I have other clients that say they don't feel anything sensation wise, but they'll have visions or they'll have information that drops in where they feel more at peace. Um, I have male clients that um, I have three different male clients that were formerly uh, in the military. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever been around vets, but I think part of their programming is to always be hypervigilant. And so it's really hard for them to be in their body and to be at rest. And all of them say the same thing. They say, oh, man, it was just so nice. Like I, I just felt like I could really let my guard down and deeply rest and I feel refreshed. So that to me, I feel very honored that I'm able to serve people in that way. Um, and again, it can support all types of healing, emotional, spiritual, physical. Um, it just is based on your intention. Um, the other things that I do are a couple of them are for specifically for emotional healing. The first one's called Aroma Freedom Technique. And this is a technique developed by a psychologist named Dr. Benjamin Perkis, and he blends neuroscience um, with essential oils, aromatherapy, as well as psychological practices. And you are able to, again, like I was telling you, I've got stories or things that are in my big, beautiful brain that got programmed there that are not exactly true, that might limit the way I think. They might affect my mindset. And as a result um, of using aromatherapy, this uh, aroma freedom technique, I'm able to take my clients through a process where we're able to remodel or release those old limiting beliefs. It's really amazing. And to me, again, God made all the plants and the plants work really well with the human body. And so it's a very gentle process of transformation. Um, disclaimer, about 99 times out of 100, there's some tears. So, um, but I love tears. I feel like that's body, the body acknowledging that it's releasing what doesn't serve it. And then the other modality I use is something called emotion code. And this was developed by Dr. Bradley Nelson. He is a chiropractor. 
And this, again, is a process that helps release trapped emotions at that cellular level. And the technique that I use, I actually do it at a distance. I'm able to work with people intuitively um, over the phone. I'm able to um, go into a, kind of a meditative state where I'm able to connect with them. I ask them a few questions, and then I am able to um, remotely um, help them release it. And so it's kind of um, kind of like the way you trust Wi-Fi, like Wi-Fi shows up and delivers a signal. Um, that's the way I trust uh, the, the, the great unknown, um, the big cloud in the sky, as well as the, the power of the divine to, to work when there is a pure intention for healing. Um, other things I know that have helped people are uh, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. It's not something I'm personally trained in, but I have several friends that are. And they speak very highly of it as a way to, for yourself, learn how to release those patterns of trapped energy of stagnant emotion in the body and help reprogram the mind. And it's, again, very gentle, um, non-invasive. You might work with a practitioner and they teach you some things. You may go to them several times and then you may end up learning just a technique that you're able to do on your own. And again, for every... Uh, healer that I know out there, there's probably 10 healing modalities um, that they know of and or practice. So um, there's so many things out there. And I, I always encourage people, if something catches your interest and you're curious, that to me is a sign, go down that rabbit hole, check it out. Does it resonate with you? If you're like, ooh, essential oils, oh, I love the way things smell, then that might be you know, a way that you want to approach healing. Um, if you're repelled by something, again, that's your mind, body, spirit saying, not for me or not for me right now. Um, but again, there's so many different healing modalities out there and you're a unique individual. So I always tell listeners, clients, um, trust yourself and honor yourself. And there is a method, a modality, and possibly a, a healer, coach, or guide out there that can can take you through it. And just trust yourself. You know what you need. Yeah, I love that you gave so many great healing modalities. And I feel like there's, like you said, there's many roads to Rome, right? The main thing is that we do something about it, that we don't just let, let you know, just just you know let our emotions take over our body because i feel like our emotions are running so much of our lives you know and some people completely run their whole life through their emotions you know and they're doing nothing to heal themselves and help them get out of their own way and i think everything is just about getting out of your own way so you can be better do better and live a more fulfilling and joyful life would you absolutely. agree with that absolutely yeah i i think there's a lot of schools of thought that have been taught or trained to us. I know for me as a, as a woman or someone in a female body, um, I was taught that emotions were bad, that being emotional was bad. It wasn't respected or regarded and you should hide emotions. You shouldn't cry. Um, you shouldn't get angry. And, um, to me, emotions are an internal response to our external world. They're just information, but in our bodies, they are energy. So energy's got to go somewhere. So again, when you're joyful and you have to sit in your chair and you're five years old and you it's time for recess and you're really excited about it, but your teacher wants to keep you there, those are the kids that are acting out. They've just got energy in them. They're ready to go. Right. Um, same sense. thing. When you're angry, if you're holding that anger in and you're not releasing it in some cathartic way, um, it's going to stay there and do things internally to our body. And it's uh, to me my opinion, <laughs> that uh, emotions, when they are held, negative emotions, when they're held in the body, they cause destruction, they cause illness, they cause blockages. And like you said, they limit you in being able to move forward. And it does feel like my emotions are running the show. I can't do anything. I'm always angry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the time has gone by so fast, Laura, how can people connect with you and find you? Oh, great. Thank you. Um, two places. The first one would be Instagram and it's hearts of healing center. And that's plural hearts, kind of like the gold hearts behind me. Um, I'm on Instagram many times. <laughs> Try not to let social media run my world. 
And then the other place that can connect with me is I have several YouTube videos. Some are meditations. I like to do a lot of rituals because they speak to the subconscious and they are a tangible, meaningful way of for us to, to move energy or to set intentions or to create beauty in our life. And so it's Hearts of Healing on YouTube. Oh, I love that. I'll have to follow that. Well, Laura, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really um, feel like we got so enlightened by all the great things you shared today. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate being your guest, and I appreciate the beautiful work that you are doing in the world to help people heal themselves, because just like you said, when we heal ourselves, we change who we are, and that changes how we interact with others, and that does heal the world. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really um, love to bring incredible people like Laura to share their journey with you so you can help you make better choices and find different modalities to heal yourself. Because it's true, when you heal yourself, you heal the world. Until next time, remember to have a grateful heart, to ground in love and compassion, and know that you're not alone. You're guided by God. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Namaste.